Jasmine and Beauty Podcast starts right now. It's been a few months since our last show, obviously since uh, May, uh, since the semester ended here at Ithaca College. But we are back on the VIC radio airwaves, and we left off. The baseball season was starting to get going. Uh, the the boys of summer were coming out, and well, we're in September now, and the pennant races are heating up. The NL East, the Mets swept away the Washington Nationals in a three-game series. The Yankees currently down 5-3 in the bottom of the ninth. Jake, first off, a heck of a series by the Mets. They went into Washington. They swept the Nationals, came back in every game. They were down in every game. Last night, down 7-1 to come back to win 8-7. to and they really put away the Nationals. They're not coming back from this. No, I mean, Dan, you were worried a couple days well, ago. Well, I was very worried. I'm very scared. Apartment. You're telling me that the Mets are going to get swept. They're not going to win the division. That's the Mets fan in you. I understand that. The Inter-Mets fan had me saying they're going to go into Washington, get swept. They're going to be up by one game, and that's it. Well, let's take it easy here. Let's, uh, let's everyone just calm down. The Mets are winning this division. They're up seven games now. I think everyone that was worried that maybe they would get swept like you were, Dan, that's over with. You know, this is the first time the Mets have come back in every single game in a road series since 2012 against the Phillies. I mean, it's unbelievable what they did this series. I mean, Yoannis Cespedes alone is in the MVP conversation. He was unbelievable. And you know what? He was flat-out unbelievable. He's been flat-out unbelievable. 14 home runs after tonight, 37 or 38 ribbies since joining the Mets, and 35-plus games. He's been absolutely unbelievable. But you know what? As far as the Washington Nationals are concerned, Matt Williams is going to be fired. His managerial skill, his managerial decisions, first of all, this entire season have been putrid, but this series especially. Last night, bases loaded, two outs, Yoannis Cespedes comes up, he brings in Drew Storen to face him, Cespedes rips a, a bases-clearing double down the left field line. All every run scores to make the game seven to six. He brings in Yo- he brings in Drew Storen again tonight to face Yoenis Cespedes with a runner on first, and Cespedes hit an absolute bomb to left field to give the Mets a four-two lead. Well, Dan, it's over for Matt Williams. Oh, he's I mean, fired. He's I mean, out of here. I mean, this game he's out of here. He's gone. Oh yeah, he's Matt gone. Williams will be fired at the end of the season, and the Nationals are one of the most disappointing teams that I've seen I've ever. ever seen. Oh yeah, maybe the most disappointing team I've ever watched. Let's think about. Let's reflect back to when we did the shows in April, right before the season was about to start. Nationals, they're going to win 100 games. They're going to walk away with the division easily, and they're going to be a World Series contender. Not only are they going to lose the America, the excuse me, the National League East to the Mets, they're not even going to give not you even the, in the wild. wild card they're nine discussion. games out of the wild. They're out of the wild card. They're done. They're out. They, I mean, they're yeah, they're it, really done. And I mean, considering the beginning of the season, what was the talk that they were going to lose? That the Mets were going to lose this division, and the Nationals were going to win this division by not. A few games by 10 or 15 games. I mean, people at the Nationals in, like you said, 98 to 100 wins, they're not going to win 85 games with the way they've played. And with the way Matt Williams has managed this team, uh, you said it, he's gone. I mean, they're going to have a new manager next season, probably with a new back end of that bullpen. I don't know if Storen's going to be back. Papelbon presumably will be back. He is under contract, but, you know, the home run he gave up last night, I mean, it's not exactly the best fit for Papelbon. I know we've talked about it uh, when they traded for him that it wasn't necessarily the best fit for him to go to Washington, but, I mean, the Nationals are just an absolute mess, and I think... Uh, the the fact that the Mets lost two out of three to the Marlins, the Nationals swept the Braves away. The Braves suck. They're terrible. They're awful, the Braves. But they swept the Braves away. You went into this series. We went into this series, and what was the thought process? It was, man, the Mets might have a rough time here. The Nationals are hot. The Mets lost two out of three to a bad Marlins team in Miami. They're on the road in Washington. And my thought process as a Mets fan, Jake, I told you it was, 
oh, shoot, this is it. This is where it all blows up from under us. Well, now it's out. Because the Nationals are horrible. And that, <laughs> they're and brutal. I, I don't they're brutal. Know how many times I could tweet this, how many times I could say this to the Met fans, the Washington Nationals are abysmal. With the fact that they at one point had the National League Cy Young on their team and Max Scherzer, who's tailed off dramatically in the second half, and they likely still do have the NL MVP in Bryce Harper, and they're sitting, you know, you know, seven games behind the New York Mets. I mean, we thought the Mets would be an improved team. We thought they would be a team that would play meaningful games in September. But it's, for them to be seven games behind is an absolute joke, and I know a lot of people are waiting for our thoughts on the Yankees. We'll do that after the break. We're also going to open up our phone lines. You can give us a call at 607-274-1842. But final point on the Mets stand, I mean, it just you give them all the credit in the world because Sandy Alderson did what he had to do at the trade deadline. Every move they made has worked, whether it was acquiring Kelly Johnson and Juan Uribe, both really good moves to improve this team. Tyler Clippert, outside of maybe uh, one or two bad appearances, has been tremendous in that eighth inning. And, I mean, what else can you say about Yoannis Cespedes? I mean, this Mets fan base, I tweeted this earlier, they're going to cry if this guy does not get re-signed. I mean, you've got to pay this guy I mean, you, whatever it takes at this point because I, he's I, single-handedly taking this team that had an abysmal lineup. You insert him into that two or three spot wherever they put him in that he lineup. Cha- he has changed the dynamic of that lineup. And he's a phenomenal hitter. And he's the, the best hitter the Mets have totally had in 10 years. They're he's one, a phenomenal hitter. Contender. As scary as that is to say, <laughs> I don't, you know, as a Mets fan, you're, uh, you probably can't believe it, but you look at this pitching, and you get, you, if you could throw Matt Harvey, Noah Syndergaard, Jacob DeGrom, and Steven Matz in the playoffs... I mean, come on now. There's no reason why this Mets team can't be you know, one of the contenders in the National League. And that's what happens when you add that big bopper in the middle of the lineup. Well, you're absolutely right that they're a contender. I don't know about the World Series. I still think there's... Just get in. Just get happens. into the playoffs, which it looks like they're going to do out of the National League East. But you mentioned it. Adding Yoannis Cespedes to this lineup. Not just Yoannis Cespedes. Adding Juan Uribe. Adding Kelly Johnson, who, by the way, had a pinch hit home run today in the eighth inning off Steven Strasburg, who was coming into that at bat, had 18 strikeouts, and it only had one blemish, a solo home run by Travis Darnell, what, in the third inning of tonight's game, and Kelly Johnson comes up with a pinch hit home run, a bomb to right field to tie the game up at two, and then obviously we know what happened with the, the base hit and the bringing in Storen and the Cespedes two-run homer, but the move Sandy Alderson has made in midseason has arguably made him general manager of the year. He has made four tremendous acquisitions that have made the Mets a team that is a force to be reckoned with come October. They yeah, are. You're absolutely right. And, you know, the thing with the Mets was we knew they had the pitching. You know, for the most part, their bullpen, you know, kept them in a lot of games this year. It had its moments where it was awful, but they had a clipper. That was a big move. But now you look at this team and what they've been able to do and the fact that their division's terrible. They've beaten up on the Phillies. They've beaten up on the Marlins and the Braves. And the Nationals squandered their chance to not even win a game. Tonight, even when a game is unbelievable, and the way they lost tonight with Matt Williams going to Drew Storen instead of leaving his ace in there and Steven Strasburg is absolutely disgusting if you're a Nationals fan. And this team, with all the expectations, is not only going to not make the playoffs, but they're going to lose the division to a team that nobody thought had a chance. And not only, and you know what's funny is it's not like they're going to lose a division by a game. I mean, they're seven games out with twenty some odd games left. I mean, they're. I mean, they, they've dug themselves into a serious hole. It's not like the Mets have a two-game game lead here. It's a seven-game lead 
with 23 or 24 games left in the season. I mean, uh, the Nationals have absolutely played abysmal since the Mets have pl- since the Mets played them in the beginning of August and swept them. The Mets have won six straight games against the Washington Nationals. I mean, what else can you say? I mean, you, I know you were at the the game Sunday night baseball. Oh, it was and, uh, great. Our good friends from home. You guys were going nuts. I tweeted the picture of you on Snapchat. You look like you're having a seizure out there. In the <laughs> field. But I mean, listen, as a Mets fan, you guys deserve this. I mean, the team has been abysmal, even though you tried to defend the team when they were horrible, which was ridiculous. But let, but it's besides the point. We'll get that. We'll get to that another show. I mean, in, in all honesty, the Mets, what they've done this year, you give them credit. They're going to the playoffs. I think you can relax now. Matt Harvey can get his rest. He doesn't have to pitch another game until the postseason if they don't want him to. This division's over. The Nationals had their chance, and for them to not win a game is an absolute joke. And the Yankees lost 5-3. to three. They are going to still be a game and a half back because Toronto in all likelihood. I'm not sure if that game's final, but they were losing big to Boston. So we'll touch on the Yankees after this break. But Yankees have a big four-game set with the with the with the Blue Jays coming up at Yankee Stadium, and we'll certainly touch on that on the other side of the break. And we'll also take your phone calls right after this on the Asthma Review Show. Unflippable, unflappable, unleakable. The Gustbuster is the only umbrella that won't flip inside out, rip, tear, or leak. Capable of withstanding winds over 55 miles per hour. All of our umbrellas are constructed of the finest quality materials and backed by a limited lifetime guarantee. What are you waiting for? Visit GustBuster.com and get your Gustbuster today. Kane is in the building. <laughs> Listening to the Asman and Butte podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. Once again, the phone lines are open 607 274 1842. That's our number of the call when you're on the phone. A lot of people, you ask me who our screener is. That's our assistant producer, Chris Hayes, doing it. And the phone lines are open, so give us a call. All right, Linda in Buffalo. Linda, what's on your mind? Uh, hi guys, I'm a, I'm a huge fan, long time, first time. Uh, I just wanted to say, uh, I wanted to ask you guys, who, who's your favorite to come out of the AFC, um, thrown into the Super Bowl? I, for me, I'm taking the New England Patriots. You know, you have, uh, Tom Brady that's gonna be playing with a chip on his shoulder, a team that I think's gonna embrace the mentality that everyone's out to get him. Everyone thinks they're a cheater. Um, so, so I think it's the Patriots. I just want, I just want to know what you guys think. Well, I mean, would it surprise me if the Patriots get back to the Super Bowl? Absolutely not. I mean, they are the New England Patriots, but I think what will hurt the Patriots is obviously their defense takes a hit. You lose the arguably the best cornerback in football. That's going to hurt you somewhere. You know, the question marks with the, the Patriots at receiver, what Wade Wayne still has left, how much they're counting on him. You know Gronk's going to be Gronk, and the Patriots are still going to be the Patriots. I think they easily win the division. I don't think any team in the, in the AFC East can compete for the division realistically without having a quarterback even anywhere close to the caliber of Brady. But you look at the AFC, it's kind of wide open. I mean, you can make a case for the Ravens. You can make a case for the Steelers. You can even make a case for the Bengals. I know a lot of people aren't high on Andy Dalton, but they get there every single year. Could this be the year they finally figure it out? And then you got teams out west like Denver and San Diego. So I don't think there's a clear favorite. I think if you had to pick one team, you still would probably pick New England just because they're the defending Super Bowl champs. But... 
I, I don't know if I have a pick just yet. I gotta wait and see. I, I'll make my pick by Sunday. I know uh, we're back on the air uh, tomorrow. We're back on the air on Friday, so I'll have a pick for the Super Bowl around then. But right now, I mean, the AFC is kind of wide open. You can have it. You can make a case for I think a lot of different teams. I, I do too. And Linda, I, I, you make a good point. I think they will embrace Brady. Uh, there's no doubt. I mean, I mean, he is the the leader of that team as far as you know. He's the face of the franchise. Him and Bill Belichick are the face of that franchise. So there's no doubt that they're going to embrace him. But what I struggle with with New England is the fact that what put them over the top last season was the acquisitions of Browner and Revis on the outside. It made that defense lethal. It made that secondary lethal. You could not throw over the top against that secondary. Revis isn't there anymore. Browner isn't there anymore. They all of a sudden are a little vulnerable on the outsides as far as throwing the ball over the top, you know, passes over the middle. That's where what concerns me about the New England Patriots. Do I still think they're going to win the AFC East? There's no doubt in my mind the New England Patriots will represent the AFC East in the playoffs. When I talk about a favorite to go to the Super Bowl right now, I love the Indianapolis Colts. I love what they did in the offseason. I don't even know how I drew a blank on the Colts. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. Andrew Luck. Yeah, yeah, Andrew Andre Johnson. You talk Andrew about, Jesus. Linda, you talk about Andrew Luck. Part of my part. 100%. The car, I mean, I, I yeah, the, I mean, the, Indi- the Indianapolis Colts are loaded. They added so much. You talk about Frank Gore in the backfield, Andre Johnson. Yes, an aging Andre Johnson. I should say an aged Andre Johnson, but I think he's going to have a good year with Andrew Luck throwing him the football. The best quarterback he's had throw to him ever. So there's no doubt I think the Colts, as far as uh, teams have picked to go deep in the AFC, i got to go with Indianapolis. New England still has to be the favorite. No, of course, because they're defending champions, there's no doubt. And the Colts haven't beaten New England at all. They've been killed by them. So until they do it, you you got to still put New England as the the favorite good. That's a good point, but, you know, if I had to make a pick, uh, again, I have to go with Indianapolis over the Patriots only because what concerns me about New England, Linda, is that secondary. It's that secondary of the Patriots and how it's going to hold up. Uh, losing, like I said, Browner and losing Revis, two key cogs to a Super Bowl team, that's going to be a lot of ground to cover. Linda, thanks for the call. Yeah, thank you guys for taking my call. Of course, always a pleasure to hear from uh, the people out in Buffalo, not too far away from here. Yeah, we actually get a lot of calls in Buffalo. A lot of Buffalo calls and a lot of people from Lincoln, and Nebraska. Same, Linda? A Linda, a male, a male Linda. A we male, don't always hear that a on the male program. Male Linda, you don't always hear that on uh, on, on the program, but that, that was certainly interesting. Well, you brought up a good point. You know how how are the New England Patriots going to fare in twenty in twenty fifteen? And you know they're going to be as good as they were last season offensively. There's no doubt. I think offensively they're not going to give a beat. You know they lose Shane Vereen. I mean, how many times do we see Bill Belichick pluck a running back out of the air and he rushes for a thousand yards? The so thing I'm not. New England uh, is they're guaranteed every year to win. At the Tom Brady alone gives you ten games. He guarantees. Let's you be honest. They're, they're going twelve and four. They're probably going to go twelve and four or eleven and five at worst. At the worst. They they probably they. I mean. They either, the they either, they, well, that's the hope is that the, that the the Jets and the Dolphins can split against them, and Buffalo too. If they can split, you know, add some losses to them, twelve and four, uh, eleven and five, maybe, but they'll probably be twelve and four more realistically. But again, the secondary concerns me as far if I'm a Patriots fan is they're not bringing back that Super Bowl secondary. They're not. They're still a very good team, but and they're not bringing I'll back that secondary. Too, what concerns me about the Patriots is how hard it is. To win back to Oh, it's Super brutal. Seattle, ask, ask the Seahawks. Seattle, Seattle should have won the Super Bowl, but we know what happened. You know, the old let's throw the ball on second and go from the one yard line. The worst play call in the history of the National Football League. Horrendous. I'm not going to spend all day talking about it. But how about that documentary on yeah, NFL Network? Oh do God. your job. Uh, just you do know your what? Job. I got to tell you what. Every time I watch an NFL Films documentary, no matter what the team is, and yes, I hate the New England Patriots. I I'm a New York. Them. I mean, I have. I despise the Patriots. I hate the Patriots. Um, the happiest day in my in my sports life was when the Jets beat the Patriots in the divisional round in 2011. It was the happiest day of my life. But uh, 
I hate the Patriots, but watching an NFL Films documentary, I don't care who it's about, it, it just it pumps me up. They should I, do one about you. They, they should do one about me. You're just talking about football. They will. It's That'd coming. Be an hour special. It's in the works. All right. It's in the works. It, it's, it's starring me and Jake Siegel. All right. Wonderful. I'll say this too about uh, <laughs> NFL Films and... And just, you know, NFL documentaries in general, hard not oh, to share with the Houston Texans. You know, give props to the guys who put that show together this I year. Watched it, I watched it uh, today. You know, it was phenomenal. Last year, you know, the Atlanta Falcons one was pretty good, but this year's Houston Texans one was so good. It was entertaining. J.J. Watt following that guy around every episode was awesome. Well, he was the star of the show. Well, Watt's the star, but O'Brien was tremendous, too, as a coach. Personality. He was fun. He had some great lines. He's talking about how he loves Rick Ross. He's doing push-ups with the team another day. I mean, everything about Bill O'Brien, I absolutely love. Even Vince Wilfork, who even though he played for the New England Patriots, and I can't stand the New England Patriots, as you just outlined. I can't stand him. But he was great on the show. He's having a a field goal kicking contest on yesterday's episode with... um, uh, I can't. Uh, Carly Lard, right, for the way the U.S. Women's National right, yeah. Team. So that was cool to watch. Thank you to uh, whichever one of our producers said that one. That was Connor. Connor, thanks, Connor. Co- thank you, Connor. So, I, I mean, Hard Knocks in general was is always really good. Even the Dolphins one, which a lot of people thought was boring, compared to other Hard Knocks, yes, it was. But it's all entertainment. It's all fun and games. It's tremendous TV. And once again. I look forward to it every year, and the the four episodes they aired this year did not disappoint, no question about it. No, I was, got to watch the finale today. It was absolutely tremendous. Watch it today on HBO Go. And uh, HBO Go is tremendous, because totally, it, it allows you to watch Hard Knocks whenever you want. And? And Entourage. There you go. And Entourage. There you go. And the entourage. movie on DVD. movie just came out on DVD. Yeah, and I just also want to share some Entourage uh, news with people, because I know a lot of people are big fans of the show, Entourage, and they obviously listen to us, so they, we take it you're a fan of us. We're working on having Doug Allen on, the creator of the show. He will be a guest at some point this upcoming month. So we're trying to hammer out the details with Doug, but the creator of Entourage, Doug Allen, will be on the program at some point. And I think, I think we both have a very similar question we want to ask him. No question. We're not going to tell, you what, gonna tell you what the question is, but Jake, Jake and I both know the question, and when we have Doug on, we will ask him, and we will get, we assume we will get uh, an, ac- an adequate response. No question. Let's go out to the phone lines once again, 607-274-1842. Shane in Nevada. Shane, what's going on? Hey, boys. How are you? You're listening to the show. Uh, thanks, Shane. What's on your mind? I got a question here. How good of a season do you think Victor Cruz could potentially have? Uh, that's a good question, and again... What concerns me about Victor Cruz is the injury bug. He might be out till week four, but if he comes back and he's healthy, I mean, there's no doubt Victor Cruz is a dynamic NFL receiver, and having him and Odell Beckham on the same offense, I mean, that's lethal. I think Victor Cruz could have a very good season, but again, it comes down to health. How healthy is he going to be when he does come back? If he's out till week four, I mean, you know, it might take him a game or two to get back in the mix. Next thing you're talking about, we're at week seven already. So when is Victor going to get on the field? It's tough because he's coming off such a crazy injury for a receiver, especially anything in that. I think it was a, a tendon injury. You know, that's tough for a receiver to come back from. You know, all the reports were that he was doing great, and then he has a hamstring injury. So that's tough if you're Victor Cruz, you know, to battle through. But, you know, the bottom line is if the Giants can get Victor Cruz out there, you put him in the slot and you put him next to Odell Beckham Jr. and Ruben Randall, the Giants offense is not going to be a problem. They're going to have a lot of opportunities to score points. But they're going to score a lot of it's points. It's the defense that concerns me. If Victor Cruz is healthy, though, there's no question he's going to have a really good year in this offense with Eli Manning playing alongside Odell Beckham. I mean, if you're putting the second-best cornerback on Victor Cruz, I mean, come on now. Victor Cruz is going to make you pay all the time on the field. Yeah, there's no doubt. Victor Cruz adds an element to the Giants' offense that, along with Odell Beckham, could be absolutely lethal. But again, are they going to be able to... The question with the Giants is, are they going to be able to to to, to not give up 
a lot of points. Are they going to be able to, to hold the opposition to less points than they score? And, and that's going to be a really big issue with them only because, only because their secondary is horrendous. And now with Jason Pierre-Paul, who knows what the deal is with him as far as when he's going to be ready and, and this and that, missing a finger, their pass rush is going to take a hit. So uh, a Giants team that over the last couple of years, over the last four, five, six years has been precedented on getting a pass rush, tremendous pass rush. Well, they're not going to have a great pass rush this year. Uh, presumably, whenever Pierre Paul gets back, if he's healthy, who knows? And, and the second JPP hasn't been exactly. And, and no, but he hasn't had a great. But year they were. That year in but before the 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 fireworks incident, what did you hear? They're banking on Jason Pierre Paul to have a huge year, and now the the whole thing with the fireworks on July fourth, and now he's not going to be ready for a while. And this, the the defensive line's already taking a hit at is, and the secondary stinks. I mean, the secondary is a it's abysmal, and they've had a lot of injuries. Don't get me wrong, but. I mean, the Giants are going to have a lot of issues on defense. They're and not going to be able to stop anyone. No, you're right. And they bring back Steve Spagnuolo, which I thought was a good move. You bring back a guy that had a lot of success with the Giants to be your defensive coordinator under Tom Coughlin. But, you know, but the problem with the Giants is they just don't have enough good players on defense right now. They're battling the injury bug, and they're going to really ask a lot of Eli Manning to give you 35 points a game in some situations to help the Giants win games. And, listen, the Giants got to do whatever it takes, but I'm picking the Giants right now to go 7-9, 8-8. I think if all goes well, they go 9-7 and seven and maybe could sneak into the playoffs. But I think the Eagles are better than them, and I think Dallas is better than them, and those are two teams in their division. So yeah. how are they going to get into the playoffs? There's no doubt. I don't think they're good enough to win a wild card. There is no doubt that the Giants are behind the Cal. Boys, what goes without saying, and the Philadelphia Eagles, because I just don't see the Giants being able to stop either of these teams defensively. They're they're going to have a lot of issues on defense, and it's going to be bad. They're going to win games, you know, thirty eight to thirty six, and they're going to lose games thirty eight to thirty six. So uh, it's going to be a, a troubling season for the uh, for the defense of the New York Giants. If I had to pick a record for them, I would again, I would say seven and nine, maybe if everything falls right, eight and eight, only because of the fact. That their, their their defense is, is so bad. It, it really coming into the season it is so bad. And you know what's tough is tough too. If they go seven and nine, Tom Coughlin is probably gone. And, and that's he, if they don't make the playoffs, he's gone. He probably. I mean, can you survive five years in a row? Well, that's the, the thing. And he's a legendary head coach. Don't he would get resign. They would. He will resign. Him. He's not going to be fired. But it comes to a point. No matter how great of, of years you had, and two Super Bowl years is going to buy you a lot of time. But it, it has bought him a lot. It of has. Time. But since that Super Bowl win over the New England Patriots. They have not been to the playoffs since, and that is a problem. And I think if they don't go, if they go this year without making the playoffs again, it's going to be awfully, awfully tough for them to bring back Tom Coughlin and sell to their fan base, bring it back Tom Coughlin. Because I think if it all goes wrong this season for the New York Football Giants, the fans are going to be calling for a new head coach, and rightfully so. I mean, it's been a long enough time of them missing the playoffs, just coming close enough, but not. Close enough, and uh, I, you know, Jerry Reese is probably going to be gone too because I don't think he did enough to put an adequate defense on the field and this I season. Think so I think he's going to be gone. To pick his own coach. If they well, fire Coughlin. He he's been here long Well, the thing is, is Coughlin is his guy. I don't want to hear. Well, Jerry Reese never picked his own head coach. Jerry Reese. Jerry Reese's guy was Tom Coughlin, and he could have got rid of Tom Coughlin a couple of years ago too, and had the chi- chance to hire his head coach. There, there's no doubt that him, that Jerry Reese and Tom Coughlin are tied at the hip at this point. There's, there's no chance that Jerry Reese gets a chance to pick his head coach. That, that ended a long time ago. He could have, you know, the Giants could have maybe went in a different direction a couple years ago when Jerry Reese could have picked a head coach. But at this point in time, with what they're probably headed to this season defensively, Jerry Reese will not get an opportunity to pick a head coach. There'll be a new general manager in there. 
You're right, and I think there should be. And, you know, part of that is obvious because Jerry Reese put this team together. You know, you can blame Tom Coughlin all you want, but the bottom line is we know Tom Coughlin could coach. The Giants the past couple of years haven't had enough talent to really compete with some of these teams in the NFL. Remember the year they started 0-6 and they rallied around that, and then we thought this past year maybe they could be better. But they were just brutal, you know. Oh, they were awful. And they, they were terrible. They make improvements to this team. I thought the Marine signing was good, but defensively, I mean, how many times can we say this defense is not very good? Because they're not very good. I mean, until they prove us otherwise, there's a lot of cause for concern if you're a Giant fan looking at this team going into the season. There's a lot of cause for concern, and I understand why Giant fans are upset. You know, we listen to New York Sports Talk Radio all the time, besides on VIC Radio, of course, and WICB. But we do, and and fans are very upset. They're frustrated with the fact that. They feel Jerry Reese did not do an adequate job of putting uh, a defense on the field to come into the season. And, and i got to agree, I don't think he did enough for this team to win. No question about that. But what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a quick break. When we do come back, more of your phone calls on the Jets, the Giants, the baseball pennant races, and anything else on your mind. This is the Asman and Budic Show right here on BIC Radio. You are listening to the Asman and Budic Podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. Headed back to the phone line. Sam's in Syracuse. What's up, Sam? Danny boy. How you doing? What's on your mind? Well, first of all, I want to congratulate you guys. You guys do a great show every week. Oh, thank you, Sam. Thanks, good, Sam. Good to uh, hear from you. Uh, Syracuse. Where's Jake? Is Jake here? Yeah, yeah Jake course, is here. Sam, of course I'm here, man. Uh, it's called the Asmund Budic Show. Of course. All right, so my question is, with the Giants, right? You got JPP coming in for a visit the other day. Correct. What, what do you guys think the situation is going to be with them on defense? Well, not very good until until we see what Steve Spagnuolo could do. They, they, we already touched on this in the sense that they're beat up in their secondary. They they have injuries in the linebacker position. We know what's the deal with the JPP. He's not ready yet. He may not be ready for another month, they're saying. So realistically, the Giants defense, at least at the beginning of the year, maybe they can get better like they did in 07 when they went all the way to the Super Bowl. Not saying that's going to happen with this team. But if you're looking at this Giants team, they're going to have to win games, as I said earlier, 35-31, you know, 41-30, whatever it takes to win games by a lot of points because Eli Manning and this Ben McAdoo offense, they're going to have to be able to score more than the other team is. And, they, you know, it's a cliche, you got to score more points than the other team. But if the other team scored 25-30 points, the Giants are going to have to score 35-40 points because I don't know if this defense is going to be good enough to make enough stops to, you know, to really – you know, win a, a tight game 23-20. I don't know if this team's good enough to be able to do that. And I don't know, Sam, uh, if this defense is going to be able to stop anyone. I, I really don't. The pass rush isn't going to be there, it looks like. And the secondary, again, it's just not good. It's just not a good secondary. And this goes back to what I said in the last segment. Jerry Reese, I don't feel, and a lot of people don't feel, did an adequate job putting uh, a, a team on the field defensively that can compete. I don't think he did enough in free agency. He did a lot in the draft, but you know those guys have went down with injuries. And now we get to see what the Giants' depth is like. And so far in the preseason, it hasn't looked very good. You know, Jason Pierre-Paul, they got to get him back on the field. Because this team, this defense is uh, is going to be ex- extremely better if he's on the field and healthy. But again, that's a big question mark with the finger and the fireworks. It's been a nightmare. It really was. If there was one year that they needed Jason Pierre-Paul to be healthy, week one, ready to go, it was this year, and it, it's not going to happen. And, and that's very disappointing. You're right. I'll say this too, Sam. You, what concerns me about the Giants, and I don't want to put too much stock into the preseason, 
because the preseason means nothing once week one starts. But they did not look good at all in the preseason, and this is after a lot of people didn't think. I mean, on any on any drives no, against a first team offense in in in, in three games because they had starters in play in week four in three games. I mean, they looked atrocious. And you know, you say whatever you want about the preseason means nothing, and that's true. I, I you know play week one, let's see how they do. But when you have a lot of concerns about the defense even before the preseason started, even before training camp started, then you follow up training camp into the preseason with terrible performances by your first team defense. Heck, the Jets and Ryan Fitzpatrick made the Giants' defense, you know, look like a, a punching bag. They just moved the ball up and down the field with ease, and this is the New York Jets we're talking about. That never happened. So, you know, a lot of concerns with this Giants team. I think they're going to depend a lot on Eli Manning, a lot on this offense. And can they win games? I think they can. Well, that's a lot to ask out of your quarterback, and we'll see if Eli's up for it. Do you guys believe in the superstition of every four or five years the Giants win a Super Bowl? That's garbage. A super, I, don't, I believe in superstitions, but not that one. Four or five years. Of well, if it was every four or five years, wouldn't they have won it last year? Wouldn't last year have been the year they won? They well, won in 07, they won in 11. No, no, no. They won in 07, they won in 2011, and then this would be the year that they won again. So if they win the Super Bowl, then I'll tell you what, Sam. You call us back well, next year, the Giants win the Super I'll Bowl. I'll give you I that. Will believe in a tradition. If they win the Super Bowl, call us back in a year from now, uh, well, at the end of the, at the end of February, and, and, we'll, and, and we'll give you props on the air. And one last question. Q's football this year. How do you think they'll do? Well, uh, it's, it's funny that you mentioned Q's football because our starting quarterback here at Ithaca College is Wolfgang Schaefer, the son of Scott Schaefer, the head football coach of Syracuse, right. as you know, Sam. Uh, you know, Losing Terrell Hunt really hurts. They're starting a true freshman out at the quarterback position. You know, I'm hoping SU does well because I don't know if uh, you, know, you know anything about Wolfgang. He's a really nice guy, very classy. Realized we cover the team for our local radio station up here. and you know, he's, a very, he's an awesome guy, very respectful, comes from a great family, obviously, and wishing him and, and, and Syracuse football all the best, but you know, you lose your fifth year senior quarterback that was the kind of the, the face of your team. You lose him in week one, that's tough. You're starting a true freshman at the quarterback spot. It's tough if you're a Q's fan, but you know, we'll see what they could do. Maybe good coaching and some of these young guys, young kids can raise their game and they'll compete and maybe be good enough to win six games again to a bowl game. Who knows? Yeah, thanks for the call, Sam. All right, thanks boys. Good luck. That was Sam checking in from Syracuse. He's always great to hear from uh People not too far away. We had a call from Buffalo, now from Syracuse. Wake Forest this weekend. Oh, it's going to be a good game. Big game at the Dome. Big game at the Dome. <clears throat> well, I was going to ask you, Jake, and I, I, I only, uh, you look into these types of things, who is calling the Jets game on Sunday? Well, actually, you know, I, I'm usually the one to figure this out. I'm going to Google this right now. Because so. I'm interested. We, you, we know Jerome Boger is going to be the referee. Which is actually what I was going to bring up. Jerome Boger is going to be the referee, one of my favorite referees. Dan Budick does a tremendous Jerome Boger impression. I do. And we're going to do a drum roll because uh, I want Dan Budick to give everyone listening in the audience or on Periscope the Jerome Boger impression. I do a phenomenal Jerome Boger impression, especially especially when there's a holding call because Jerome Boger sort of walks out there, kind of hunched over a little bit, and he goes, personal foul. Roughing the passer. <laughs> Defense number 91. It's an automatic first down. That is Jerome Boger in a nutshell. Now, when you noticed that Jerome Boger was going to be the official for this game, I was very excited. Did you break down into impression right away? Yes. You were well, well, again, there are a few, and, and I, I have this thing with NFL referees. There are a few NFL referees I really enjoy listening to. It's Jerome Boger, Steve, um, not Steve, Ed Hockley is, of course, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, off the top of my head, who else? Um, uh, Carl Sheffers is phenomenal too. 
And Carl's, the great thing about Carl's, he never knows what's going on. Have you seen a Carl Sheffer's officiated game? He's turned the wrong way. He's facing the right mics off. He, he's pointing the wrong direction. It, so, the, you know, they're characters. And, of course, Mike Carey was phenomenal, too. I don't think too. anyone does a better official impersonation than you. I do. And Mike Carey, I'm very, I was very disappointed in Mike Carey last Wait, year. We have a request from someone on Twitter. What's the request? I want you to say, there is no flag on the play in Jerome Boger. A Jerome Boger. Impressive. There is no flag on the play. We are picking up the flag. And how about the Ed Hockey? explanations as well. Oh, who can forget? I always bring this up when we talk about officials. Ed Hockley, 2011 NFC Championship game, Giants 49ers. The explanation of the overtime the rules. The explanation of overtime went on for about an hour and a half. It, it was longer than the actual well, overtime. Well, it was longer period. than the overtime, and I think that's why the 49ers lost, is they were so drained, and Alex Smith had such a terrible second half as he was drained after that explanation. It was literally, a, uh, it was at least four minutes I think the Giants of an explanation. I competitive advantage due to the fact that you know, it took forever to explain the overtime rules. I think that affected Alex Smith. It, it very well might have, but the thing is, the, the thing with the NFL referees, especially the head officials, is they're just they're, they're characters. Each of them have really individual characters. They they really they break out at the form. Well, especially get the the infamous giving the guy the business call. Giving the guy the business and Ed Ho every call Ed Hockley makes ever. He's tremendous. He's tremendous. The way he explains things, you can tell the guy's well, a lawyer. Well, it's the explanations that make it great. So if there's a complicated foul, or there, or the best thing is, is when there's a foul on the offense the and a foul on the defense, when he explains the <laughs> offsetting penalty. So it'll be like something like this. Hold on. There you go. He'll be, he'll do something like, there are two fouls on the play, one against the offense, one against the defense, holding offense number eighty four. <laughs> Pass interference, defense number 79. Those penalties will offset. The ball will stay at the same spot, and we will replay third down. That's usually how it goes. That's usually uh, typically an ad hoc explanation. You are listening to the Asman and Butik podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. For the first time in a long time, the Jets have some depth at wide receiver, now, which they haven't had. What I want to do is bring on our uh, our executive producer, Jake Chernock, now, because Jake actually works for the New York Jets. He does. He, he does work he, for the New York Jets. He is Jets. working week one, so I'm not sure. How, are you allowed to criticize the team? Uh, I think I'm not allowed to do that. Jake I, Chernock is I'm going to He's an employee of the New York. You're on the payroll. Now, hold on. I am you, on the payroll. You affect the cap. <laughs> he affects the cap. Wait, I, I want to talk to Jake about what he does for the Jets, because for those who don't know, Jake works in the game op, so he's throwing the t-shirts to the fans. He's setting up the rise at Jets Fest. He's serving true. me sausages. He served me a sausage yes. this summer at I one of the Jets sausage. events. It was hot rock. It was a hot rock. It was tremendous. So it was great. First off, how did you get this job with the New York Football Jets? And what are your thoughts on being inside an NFL organization? It's very cool. Um, I got the job because uh, my advisor, the great Kyle Woody. Uh, Kyle, a uh, frequent listener to the show. Sure. Yes, he's a great man. Um... He suggested that I apply for it. I went to the Jets facility in Florham Park. Right, facility. you went for an interview back in April in or May, March? March? Didn't you run into Chan? I did run into didn't he ask? Didn't he, didn't he ask you an opinion about a scheme? He did not. Oh, I did. okay, I thought he did. Are you the reason Devin Smith is on this team? <laughs> he did. Uh, he was eating, I think, a turkey sandwich it was, I believe. Oh, okay. Uh, was there mayo on it? April. Was there mayo? Couldn't tell if there was Did you mayo. serve them food? Wasn't that your job at one point? Like, you went there for training camp days, too, am I right? I was there for a few training camp days. Didn't you yeah. tell me that Darrell Revis threw a water bottle at you? No, he no, Or, or no, your no, friend? No. Or your friend? Or something with the This is a great story. This is a great story. So, I was working the Green Rights scrimmage, which you attended, uh, a couple weeks back. Uh, you were on the field. You signed my autographs. It's true. I did not you actually also that. appeared in a Geno Smith Instagram, which that was, was later deleted. deleted. That, that was, was later deleted. We'll tweet that one out for the, I uh, the show account. I did uh, make an appearance on Geno's Instagram. But anyway, so, 
uh, part of our job is some of the interns stand in the player tunnel when all the guys run out onto the field. And so Revis was drinking, like, one of these, like, energy drink kind of things. It was like this little pouch. And so he gives it to another one of the interns. about to run out onto the field. He's like, here, can you hold this? Gives it to one of the interns. And she's like, oh, yeah, of course. It's well, Revis. I mean, obviously I'll hold it. Should have had him sign it. He should have had him sign it. Anyway, so the kid takes it, and then Revis just runs out onto the field. So basically he made the intern his garbage can, and Darrell never asked for it back. So then after the green-white scrimmage, kid goes into his pocket and is like, oh, my God, here's Darrell Revis' uh, vitamin package or whatever it was. I don't know. It was did like he, vitamin and C. And did he give it back to him? He didn't. No, he still has. He brought it home. Was it empty? Yeah, the kid, yeah. I mean, it, was, it, was, it was empty. I guess Darrell finished it on his way out. Well, that's a nice little uh, little souvenir. It's a nice little souvenir, and also the guys were all laughing because apparently the guys in the Jets tunnel are like are all a bunch of wackos. Like they all say a bunch of crazy stuff to each other. They're like, oh, like it's really dark in there, and they're all like, say they're scared of the dark and they're grabbing onto each other. Like the players? Yeah, the players. This is who's scared of the dark? I, I think all of them. Probably Geno Smith. I, I really think all of them. Hey, Geno Smith is probably scared of the dark. Because he, I mean, he got cut, he got punched in daylight, so I'm sure he's not not too happy with the dark either. Yeah, I mean, his jaw. I mean, it's all bad. I don't know. It's I, all bad. Anyway, I can take a shot at you. But you are yeah. working week one. I am working week You'll one. You'll be there Sunday, MetLife Stadium, Jets Browns. Today I actually received my parking pass. Wow! Now you're you're, parking I, pass. you're, you're on the staff, baby. There, I, if I had to guess, they're gonna give you the worst parking pass. In the building. I mean, you're an intern. I mean, I can't here. imagine you'll be parked next to Mike McCagney. Like, you're not going to have... I can't, I can't imagine. Like, no, Todd no, Bowles. Sir. No, are, sir. Aren't going to walk into the stadium together. You know? No, sir. I also... I think we are getting there pretty early in the morning. Like, I think what time have you? A nine? Eight? I think even earlier. Really? Okay. Yeah, I think For Woody will walk in. Well, that, that makes him one o'clock to I, eight o'clock, seven o'clock. I think Woody will probably walk in around noon, maybe. Maybe a little bit earlier. Well, Woody won't get there until after kickoff. No, Come no, on. No, Woody no, won't no, get there until no, after kickoff. At least Mike, at least. Well, Woody gets there early, though. No, he I mean, does. Remember, we saw him a couple times we, in the we, parking we, lot. We yeah. We, we took a picture with him. He's a nice guy. How familiar are you guys with MetLife Stadium? Like, can you guess the parking lot? It is... It's huge. Well, the way MetLife the does their parking lot, is they do it by letters. It's letters. And yeah, it's and letters. It's letters. So they double up on letters. Yeah. So you have lot A, lot double A, yeah. lot B, B, yep. B. Like, you know, it goes all the way back. I mean, if, you, if you're in lot ZZ, I mean, you might have a... Are You you might be the last spot in lot ZZ all the way by, uh, by the like, Eisenhower Center. I'm actually on the other side of the stadium. I'm over by the racetrack. Like, but, like, oh, okay. So on the left side. Before the game? Oh, of course. 100%. We know you do like to gamble. Uh, not so much. Too little. Too little. No, not if you go to Turning Stone Casino. It's 18 there. That's a good point. Oh, good yeah, point. It is. Yeah, because it's on... Um... That's a good point. Actually, horse racing's 18, I'm pretty sure. Like, I went to... No, it is. Yeah, horse racing's 18. Is, to, it, I, is horse racing 18? Yeah, yeah, we Bell- gambled uh, last year. I was, year wrong. Yeah, that was, yeah. Wrong. I was wrong. at uh, I was at the American Federal Triple Crown win this summer. I've been on it. All right. So I was wrong. Um, but yeah, no, so we'll, uh, we'll do some gambling at some point, and, uh, just not on the Jets, because I'm not on Right, but you, but you are on the payroll. I am on the payroll. In fact, actually, my parents called me today to say that they, I received a paycheck from the New York Jets in the mail today. That's pretty cool, that you received a paycheck from the Jets. Probably the it's, same day Darrell Revis got a paycheck from the Jets. Probably not. I, I think no, it probably was, was. I think mine was a little bit smaller than Darrell's. Well, it was smaller, but I'm, at the same day, though, they probably have the same... It's, it's probably a little less than I think Darrell's it all worked. No, 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 no. I'm sure it's less than Darrell Revis's, you know, guaranteed money that he's got when he <laughs> well, signed I a big mean, contract with the Jets. I the guy's getting $39 million guaranteed. No, but I'm saying, what I'm saying what is... What are you getting, $39 million? Half of that? 
150 bucks. Not even. No, but I'm not saying. Even. But what I'm saying is, I'm sure the pay schedule is the same. I'm sure everyone. I think it is. It's I probably think, everyone's day the is. same. Yeah, no. So you received, you know, it was like they went down the list. You know, we got to pay. Well, no, because guys don't get paid yet until the start of week one. Actually, maybe they get paid this week. It's no, now, they get. Yeah, yeah. It's no, they get. It's technically week one. So they're yeah. going down the pay list. But we you know, we're a little over. But you know. Well, we'll end the show in a few minutes. But, yeah, so we'll end the show in a few minutes. But, you know, they were going down the list of paychecks, checking off, you know, Revis got paid, uh, you know, Cromarty, Gilchrist, Screen, Chernock. That that was that's what it was. That's what do you think you're doing? <laughs> uh, do you think they did in alphabetical order? So you know you going through it. Brandon Marshall, whatever. Oh, that's true. Who is a Jet player that has a you know? An, Jeff Cumberland, your favorite. You probably got paid right before Jeff Cumberland. I Cumberland. think I did. I yeah. probably did. I probably did. I'm it's trying pretty, to think who else. It's pretty cool. C. Cromartie. Well, Cromartie. Antonio Cromartie, oh, right. goes without saying. But no. your tr- what else can yeah, go okay. with the Jets? Uh, yeah, so actually it's funny because the Jets, like part of the deal is that they're supposed to give you kind of free stuff. Well, like, have they given you like, anything? you're not supposed to buy your own stuff. So have you Have you getting free Jets gear? So I was supposed to get a free Jets shirt like the first three events I went to, but the first one was the Boomer Sison game. So they gave me a shirt for that, but then they never gave me another Jets shirt all summer. That's ridiculous. Until the green-white game, and I didn't have a shirt until probably ten minutes before the game opened. So that by, well, they just go to the team store point, and rip you a shirt? Yeah, so by that point, the guy just walked into the team store, pulled it off the rack, and gave it to me, and I went out and manned the rides. And, like, that's how it happened. Wow. So do you know what you're – let me ask you. Do you know what you're going to be doing on Sunday? You don't know yet. I'm not sure. Can you I be a T-shirt patrol? No, that'll be the launch crew. But you're I, not going to be in the – Wait, hold on a second. You mean to tell me that there's a specific there is a uh, speci- group in the interns yes. known as the launch crew? Correct. And how does one Correct. be a part of the launch crew? You have to audition. Do you have to have a college it, degree? Uh, I think it was just auditions at the end of May. Um, auditions? Yeah, you had to audition. I think you have to be able to throw a, cer- a T-shirt of a certain – Distance. Oh, that's ridiculous. They have auditions? They have auditions for that? Yes. Yes, sir. Well, you got to remember, I mean, there's so many But they let Jeff Cumberland play tight end, but they have auditions for that? (laughs) Oh, my God. You mean to tell me that (laughs) they have auditions for their T-shirts at fans? It is really true. It is really true. They don't throw the T-shirts, though. They usually... Then they have a gun? They have a gun. Oh, yeah. Oh, can I tell you, the guns are fun, Do you have the The guns are fun. Do they have a lot of whiplash? Like, boom, come back. Like, quick comeback. Well, they let all the veterans... The Kachunga shot, They let all the veterans throw the... The veterans. Use the guns. They're interns. No, actually, there have been some interns that are there. Oh, the flight crew is... Can I tell you, it's actually really upsetting because... When, before the Green White game, it was like us and the flight crew, and like there was nobody else in the entire stadium, so they didn't have anything for us to do, and so all the guys are just like sitting in the tunnel, gawking at the flight crew. These poor girls, I mean, like and they're beautiful women. They are, they you mean to tell me you were gawking at the flight crew? Gawking? You were gawking at the flight crew? You're gawking at the flight crew? I'm not going to deny it. The Jets I mean, flight really? crew, for those who don't know, are the equivalent of the cheerleaders for the cheerleaders. The flight crew, yeah. yeah. Also, by the way, I also realized that they're not allowed to walk like without. They have to like skip almost. Like yeah, they don't walk. They do a little hop, hop, yeah. skip in a boot. Yep. Yeah, it's, yep. it's always a hop. Or a bunny hop. They, will, they always hop. They always hop. The Jets fly crew. Yeah. All right, Jake. No, Thanks for checking in. No, we're Good done. Times. We're done. Jake, thank you. Jake, thank you. Tomorrow we're doing the old two thirty to four together. We'll talk about more than the New York Jets fly crew. Well, yeah. you, you'll have to I break hope. down in the sports world. That'll be hope. an hour and a half show right there. We'll talk more about the launch crew as well. I want to try out for that. That's what I got to do. Can I tell you, it actually, I was going to try out because I really wanted to do it. I had so much fun with the Boomer game doing it, but it was on a day where I had my other internship. So I was no, so you couldn't yeah, so audition. Who judges the auditions? I think uh, they bring in uh, Chad Pennington. They bring in former Jet quarterbacks to evaluate the talent of someone throwing the T-shirt. Or Vinny Mark, Testaverde. Vinny with Mark Brett Sanchez Favre. They that. brought him back, yeah. believe it or not. They flew in Sanchez from Philly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, it was a whole Joe crew. Joe Willie was there as well. Joe yeah. Willie Nambeth.
Oh, they, now. They have a whole scoring sure. sheet. You got to, like, check it off mechanics, oh the whole God. thing. For the oh, my God. Brian Schottenheimer was back. Oh, my God. And your favorite person. My favorite person. Chernock, we'll see you tomorrow. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to the Asmund and Budic Podcast. Make sure you go on to iTunes and subscribe to the show.